This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of the American family Robinson. Born and raised in the heart of New York's teeming Manhattan, George Robinson had always rebelled against the confinement of city life. He wanted to be able to see the open sky at night, feel the earth beneath his feet, find adventure, thrilled with the excitement of travel. But marriage and a couple of youngsters had managed to clip his wings, and it was 20 years before George Robinson managed to travel at all. When he did, he found scant satisfaction in it. No kidding, Poyle. I'm exhausted. Taking that subway every night is plain murder. Maybe we made a mistake moving to Jersey. Mm. You want spaghetti tonight, macaroni tomorrow night, or macaroni tonight and spaghetti tomorrow night? Hey, couldn't we have a steak or some chops one night? I wake pretty darn hard, and I'm getting... We can't sick. save for that trip we're going to take someday if we put every cent you earn in our stomachs. Yeah, yeah, I know. But no matter what we do, we never seem to be able to save enough to go anyplace really exciting. Two weeks vacation in Atlantic City once a year. The kids don't mind, George. I don't mind. You don't. Well, I do. A guy has to have some incentive to keep him working from nine to five, six days a week. Summer, winter, spring, fall. Whether he's feeling good or bad, taking a crowded subway. I know it's no fun working as hard as you do. I feel the same way. Being cook, laundress, chambermaid, and waitress for a family of four isn't any picnic. Sometimes I think that if I have to face another fried egg before I'm half awake in the morning or wash another load of clothes, I'll scream. What in the thunder is that? It's only Billy. This week he's Tarzan. Wouldn't you think somebody could invent a nice, quiet hero? Bang! 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 (laughs) You're dead! (laughs) Hiya, Billy. You shooting strangers or friends? Bad Arabs. Huh? They came into the jungle to steal ivory, but I killed them. I'm Tarzan. <laughs> Shouldn't you be using a bow and arrow? Ah, they don't make enough noise. You see, George? Well, then, uh, how about swinging into the upper level and calling your sister for dinner, Tarzan? She can hear me upstairs from here. Hey, Marion! Screaming is terribly uncouth, Billy. Besides, I was only in the living room. Well, I thought you were... And furthermore, I told you to call me Marilyn. That's my name now. Since when? Since somebody told her she looked like Marilyn Monroe. Oh, don't be funny. It's just that I, I think the name is prettier. Marion. Well, uh, does uh, Tom think it's prettier? Tom. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care if I never see him again. I'd like to get as far away from New Jersey as I could. India or, or Africa, even. Fooey on India. Africa's the place. Oh, stop that, Billy. 
Well, it's time I got dinner started. Hey, uh, just a minute, Twill. Yeah? No, 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 look. Now, now, don't jump off the handle when I suggest this, because it's not as far-fetched as it sounds. You see, we do have some money in the bank, and if we booked passage on a freighter, we'd still have enough left to buy supplies. And once we got there, I could shoot enough game to provide food. You've seen that sharpshooter's medal I got in the ROTC in high school, and well, then... Well, what do you think, Pearl? The whole idea sounds sensational. What are you talking about? Gosh, I thought you knew. I'm suggesting that we move to Africa. Golly! Double golly in spades. Yeah, but think of it for a minute, Pearl. A tract as big as Van Cortland Park, where we could raise vegetables and pick wild fruit right off the trees. Why, we'd dress in animal hides and sleep on pelts and spouse. Oh, no more dishwashing or laundry or bed-making, Pearl. Africa. Where men are men, and... And women wear rings through their noses. Look, I'm serious. More serious than I've ever been in my whole life. You know, I'm not getting any younger. And this may be my last chance to escape the life sentence of nine to five drudgery. It could be your last chance to escape drudgery, too, Paul. Well, I go to Timbuktu to get away from the pile of mending I've accumulated in my basket. Timbuktu I... happens to be in Africa. So I'll put you down for an I vote. Everyone would say we're out of our minds. Well, we care what people say. What do you say, Marion? Uh, uh, Marilyn? Well, it suits me. Maybe when I'm a billion miles away, Tom will realize what we might have met to each other. Well, Billy, we wouldn't take such a step without a unanimous vote, so it's up to you. What do you say, boy? surplus store. I outfit a lot of campers, and I guess camping out just about the same in the Congo as it is in the Carolinas. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is in a way. Now, um, now, how about this here uh, stove, Poyle? Uh, what do you think? If I never see a stove again the rest of my life, I won't complain. Yeah, I guess I could always build one out of stone or something when we settle down for good. You figuring on going to Africa for good, Miss Robinson? That's right. We're the, uh, <laughs> the American family Robin. i <laughs> <laughs> You know, like the Swiss family, Robinson, that got uh, shipwrecked on a desert isle. Yeah, maybe you better buy one of these here life rafts. What we need is food, just in case the jungle animals haven't heard about Georgia's sharpshooting metal. Yeah, sure, you, you ought to take along a few cartons of these baked beans, a real bargain. Yeah, beans are always good to have on a camping trip. And according to that article we read about prices in Africa, it wouldn't hurt to take a few bargains along. Uh, Boyle, do you think that that Tarzan Billy keeps talking about is real or, or only in books and things? Well, so far as I know, he's only a fictional character. Why? Well, I was figuring maybe we ought to buy some glass beads and stuff like that for him, uh, just in case he does exist and we need his help. <laughs> Though it isn't at all likely. <laughs> yeah, you said it, Mr. Robinson. All that stuff about dangerous animals and savages and that voodoo business has nothing but pure hokum to make movies about, put on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, you be as safe in the Congo as you are in New Jersey. Yes, sir. Wanna Tarzan? Wanna Tarzan? I need the army. Barua Koa, Wanna Tarzan. You have a letter for me? Are you sure? The old Wanna Tarzan. Barua is for you. I told no one I was coming to this section of the Congo. Runner take Barua from Liagu to Becarata. From Becarata, carried by safari to Tarzan Seco's cabin. He not there, so other runner take to Punya village. Man of Punya give Barua to chief of Giora tribe. He handled Tengiki. Tengiki find Tarzan. <laughs> I'm glad it was as simple as all that. How it ever reach me in one week, I'll never know. All who have Barua say is much important to reach Lord of Jungle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, I shall expect you to... Yeah, how you dislike me. My sake. What Barua say? Oh, it's from Captain Lawrence, who should know better than asking to play a nursemaid to a group of babes in the woods. Babes? Uh, babies. Uh, Kitoto. Kitoto's coming to jungle? <laughs> These are grown-up ones, uh, Tengiki. A man, his maki, and his two children. Two children? Yeah, one, uh, well, really, neither of them infants, but 
as ignorant of the jungle as though they were in swaddling clothes. Their parents, too. And Captain Lawrence delayed their departure from Liago as long as he could, but they've left there by this time, and he expects me to see that no harm comes to them. Tarzan angry. He not do, yes? I have never yet refused Captain Lawrence any request, nor have I ever knowingly permitted the innocent people to come to harm in the jungle. I shall not do so this time. But on this occasion, I shall handle things a little differently than I've done in the past. By the beginning of the following week, George Robinson and his family had covered many weary miles of jungle belt. It was a thrilling experience for all of them. And though no Ascari or gun bearers accompanied them, they were without fear. They did have two bearers, and George marched bravely ahead, brandishing his rifle as he'd once seen Clyde Beatty do in a jungle picture. Behind him came the bearers, carrying a tent, numerous cases of baked beans, and a miscellany of other supplies. In their wake trod Pearl and Marion, and Billy brought up the rear, enthusiastically taking pot shots at cannibals with his cap pistol. Boss! Boss, you guys! Okay! We wait here, Boss! That's Swahili. Yeah, sure, Swahili or something like that. But they understand English. Yeah, I know, but this lets them know that I'm an old-timer that can't be taken in by any of their tricks. <laughs> They've been trying to tell me they're supposed to get a dollar a day, but I know to go and rate six cents. <laughs> I read it in a book. What year was the book published, George? Bang, 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 bang! I just shot another terrible. Oh, Mother, make him stop saying things like that. Stop saying things like that, Billy. Well, you uh, enjoying our little hike, Marion? Oh, yeah, sure I am, Dad. It's only that when I used to go on Girl Scout hikes, we, we, we could always stop for a soda or something. Gee, I'm so thirsty, I could... Oh! It's only a coconut, Marion. It, it just missed me. Guess a monkey must have thrown it down. Yeah, it sounds, sounds as though it's got milk in it. Your order for a drink was fulfilled pretty quickly, I'd say, Marion. Uh, I'll smash it against this rock over here, and then I'll... Whatever, what's the matter, George? Oh, I was just leaning over to smash the coconut on that rock when something stung me hard. George! Huh? George, don't move! On that rock! A snake! Oh, sure, I I, I saw it all the time. A perfectly harmless variety. But uh, maybe we better get moving, huh? We can can have the coconut later. (laughs) Never good to to drink on an empty stomach. Tengiki, not think Kitotos keep walk so many days. Seems as though we've been dogging their footsteps for years. It's most difficult to travel so slowly. I like to swing rapidly through the trees. Uh, Nadio, Tarzan is Manu. I may have been raised by apes, and I may throw a coconut like a monkey, but that doesn't make me one. Tarzan almost hit girl with coconut. You needn't try to lord it over me just because you scored a bullseye with your blowgun. Mutu yelled much loud, yes, Tarzan? <laughs> much loud. He was lucky he was a small pebble instead of a dart. We keep following him, Tarzan? Long they keep going? Early this morning, I crept close to their campfire. They were discussing how much further they should go. What they see? Their father's looking for a nice, wide clearing in the heart of the jungle, one where he can plant crops without bothering to cut down any trees. His wife wants to keep going till they find a ready-made home, perhaps a, a cave with steam heat. The girl would like to continue until they stumble across a jungle ice cream parlor. And small boy? He's got his heart set on capturing a tiger. And since there are no tigers in Africa, we may have to continue following them until they reach India. We're lost, George Robinson. Ah, be reasonable, Pearl. How can we be lost when we wasn't going any particular place? If those bearers hadn't left us, maybe we would be going to some particular place. Yeah, they was very unreasonable, too. Yeah, they wanted to get paid. And you would have had enough money to keep them on if you hadn't squandered that $120 for a hunting license. Squandered? I had to have it so as I could shoot game. We had to have meat for our journey, didn't we? What meat, Dad? We haven't had anything but, but beans so far. Well, I just thought I'd better wait until we made a payment of camp before I did any serious hunting. If you ask me, you were taken for that $120, George. I bet they don't get $120 from everybody. Not with animals as plentiful as they are here. Uh, 
Why, there must be a lion or a panther behind practically every tree. I, I wish you wouldn't say things like that, Mother. You know, it's a funny thing. We keep hearing animals far away at first and then closer. But just when it sounds like they're going to attack us, we don't hear them anymore. Must be your father's sharpshooter's metal that's frightening them away. Uh, are we going to stand here the rest of the day or are we going to push on? Oh, let's push on by all means. Billy, see if you can help your father with that buck shop or whatever he calls it. Buck board, and it's a lucky thing I'm clever with my hands. If I hadn't rigged this up, we never would have carried the supplies this farther. Now, come on, mush. I could use a little mush as a change after all those beans. Hey, Mom! Ah, look, there's a thatched hut over there, just behind those trees. A brand new one that looks empty. Oh, can you imagine anyone putting up a house around here? I wouldn't go inside if I was you, Billy. Uh, you never can tell what you like. Hey, there's no one in here. Come on, George. I guess if Billy can brave it, we can go inside. Oh, sure. I, I only meant to... Oh, uh... well, it's real nice. Separate rooms and everything. Let's see, I could make a kitchen back there... Well, not that I intend to do much cooking, but now, I... Now, just a minute, Poyle. Somebody must have built this house for somebody. Let's just say that Providence provided it for us. Yeah, but we just can't appropriate it. The real owners might be moving in any day now. It uh, might still be an escrow or something. I don't care what it's in. I'm not budging another step. Well... Hey, Mom, there's, there's a river right near here. If I slip into my bathing suit, will you wash my clothes while I go in swimming? Everything else I own's in shreds. Mine, too. How about patching my denims, Mom? And if you get time, Poyle, see if you can fix up some sort of beds while I start collecting a little firewood. The Tostos move into Hema, yes, Tarzan? Yes, the one that Providence provided... I'd say that young man feels very much at home in the way he's swinging on that door. It's a good thing we build Hammer much strong. Tarzan, what girl do in strange costume of native woman? Well, that's a bathing suit. And the little fool's going in swimming with a dozen crocodiles to keep her company. I'd better go... Get back in a little while, my eyes don't work. Matu, head for jungle near where there's wild bushwark. I'd better follow him, then. You go down to the river and... Oh, now the boy's wandering off. And wife woman start pick poison berries from bush. Tangiki, there ought to be six of us to keep the Robinson family alive. Just through one day. Subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Waving his arms ferociously and screaming like a banshee, leaped from the bush near Billy, who shrieked for home. And while Curl Robinson turned away from her berry picking to comfort her small son, Tarzan wrenched the poisonous bush from its roots. By this time, Tengiki had reached the river. Spanking the water with a large stick, he flushed out the half-submerged crocodiles, opened their cavernous mouths to sound an involuntary warning to the frightened Marion. 
Meanwhile, Tarzan sped through the upper level until he was within sight of George Robinson, who walked blindly toward the alerted bushwhack. The wild bush pig rushed toward him. Not until the advancing dreadnought was within a few yards of him did George finally realize his peril. Nothing's the matter. I just wanted to show you the wild boar I shot. <laughs> the family breadwinner has fulfilled his promise to provide meat for his wife and children. <laughs> About 170 pounds of it is a rough guess. Uh, well, I wouldn't eat any of that fiendish-looking monster. Oh, well, it so happens, young lady, that wild pig is a great delicacy. <laughs> and now we can have pork with our beans. Billy, will you leave that thing alone? Okay, Dad, I give in. But if it's all the same to you, I'll skip the beans for a few meals and go whole hog. <laughs> That's my girl. Dad? Yes, son? Uh, did you want to hear how I bagged this animal? Dad, if you shot that animal, then how come there are no bullet holes in it and it only an arrow sticking out of its back? <laughs> Tengiki, much tired. Tarzan and Tengiki not have enough sleep last few weeks. Yes. They're almost a 24-hour-a-day job. And we have a new assignment this morning. More trouble. Which one this time? All of them. We've discovered that the village of the Hartusi tribe is not too far from here, and they're busy packing up a lot of glass, jewelry, and junk in anticipation of a visit there. Hartusi tribe, much bad people, yes? Yes. I shall have to accompany them on their little outing. Without being seen, of course. But I'd like you to go ahead and warn the Hartusi chief that Tarzan shall hold him responsible for any harm that comes to these people. Uh, then uh, remain there and mingle with the crowd that greets their arrival. Stay close to them, Tengiki. They are Kitotos, but nice ones. On the meat. Oh, what do you want? What do you want? Speaking English? Oh, George, you don't have to talk to them that way. That's the only sort of thing they understand. See? One of them's coming towards us. Me speak English, not others. Oh, well, uh, can you make them understand about these jewels we brought? Just hold beads out in hand. Oh, all right. Probably some sort of an honorary title. Huh? Just like home. Every time you went in to see the boss, he used to give you a new title instead of an increase. I don't see the natives offering us any presents in return for ours, like the book said. Well, they probably think it would be an insult. They, they, they think that I'm some sort of a white god. Well, great white father, I think we better collect our family and start home. I've got to make some dishes out of that clay that Billy found before it gets all dried up. Yeah, and I'll give you a hand after I finish digging up that tree stump. Boy, I wait until midnight last night, but no soap. Those roots must go clear to China. Billy! Marion! We're ready to go, and we'll be lucky if we get home by dinner time. I, I hate to mention it, Poyle, but do you suppose there's anything you could do to that ham to make it edible? I've done everything but embalm it. But we won't starve to death for another few weeks unless the can opener gives up the ghost. <laughs> I don't like the way those Hartusi warriors are hanging around, peering into the shack. I'm going to try to find out what they want, and then go in and have a little talk with the Robinsons. Why Tarzan put brown dye on face and body? Because I'm not going to be Tarzan. As a native, I can deliver a threatening ultimatum. Lend me a few of your tribal ornaments, will you, Tengiki? No deal. No one would ever recognize me this way. Hey, Mom. Look, it's Tarzan. Uh, how did you know my name? How did you recognize me? Gosh, everybody knows about you. But why have you got all that dark stuff smeared all over you for? Billy, it's not nice to ask personal questions. Come on in, Mr. Tarzan. Oh, sure. Make yourself at home. 
Hey, this is a real honor. You make it difficult for me to tell you why I came to advise you to leave the jungle where you do not belong and where you're worse than helpless. Huh? Well, we've been doing all right. We found some strong grass for weaving. We located good drinking water. And the natives in the village near here like me just fine. Huh. Why, well, they call me Majinga. I do not mean to be unkind, but Majinga means ignoramus. The weaving fiber was placed on your doorstep, and I laid the trail to the drinking water so that not even an infant could have missed it. Yeah, I guess I must have known all along somebody was looking out for us. And frankly, I'm I'm ready to light out of here. I complained about waking from 9 to 5 back home, but here I wake 18 hours a day just to keep alive, and I don't even get paid for it. And I have to make dishes out of clay instead of just washing them, and weave cloth and make clothes instead of just having to launder them, not to mention everything else I have to do, without any of those blessed conveniences I had back in New Jersey. And I know now that I want to go back to Tom. And you, Billy? Gosh, I can't do anything here without getting half scared to death. It's not like listening to the jungle on the radio. I'm ready for home. Yeah, but there's only one rub. We ain't got any money left to get home on. <laughs> oh, but you do have a mountainous pile of empty bean cans stored in your kitchen. Oh, well, there wasn't any rubbish barrel, and I didn't know what to do with them. But, but what's that got to do with... The savages laughed at you when you gave them worthless pieces of glass when they possessed many precious jewels. But they've been peering in here, admiring the shiny metal tins from which they can fashion many useful instruments and utensils. They're willing to trade this for the empty cans. A diamond? Golly Moses! Gee, even the movie stars don't have diamonds that Come deep. on, let's get packed. we got to get going. A native friend of mine will escort you back to Liago, and Captain Lawrence there will help you with the sale of the diamond. I'm happy you've decided to return home for good. For good? Are you kidding? I'm going back and buy up every case of baked beans in New Jersey. Transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. And this is a Commodore production. Listen to our next story, another thrilling episode of The Lord of the Jungle. Charles Arlington speaking. to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now on the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Tarzan and the Long Journey. It was noon, and the scorching African sun beat down upon Liago's public square. Under ordinary circumstances, it would have been deserted at this hour, but today it seethed with a sweltering mass of resentful natives. They should be sent back to their village, Captain Lawrence. But I can't disperse them, Tarzan. The message said he'd be here promptly at noon, and it was officially decreed that the entire native population be on hand to greet him. The natives already resent British rule without making the arrival of a new provincial governor an occasion for disrupting the entire tribe. Yes, there's been a great deal of agitation among the natives lately, and I'm worried. That's why I sent for you, Tarzan. I realized I... 
needed some advice. My first bit of advice is that you have a little talk with the new dignitary the moment he arrives. Inform him that you're familiar with the temper of the natives and that he should refrain from issuing further decrees before consulting you. That's the only way to handle things. I think not. After all, he is my superior, and... Ah, here he comes. We'd better try to push our way through to his car. It looks as though a spot of trouble's about... What's that? Someone's throwing something at him. Anything happened? Ben, disperse the crowd and try to find out who threw that bow. I saw him, Captain Lawrence, and I'll catch him if I can get through this crowd. You'd better go and gather up what's left of our provincial governor. It's only a miracle that I wasn't killed, Lawrence. I want the would-be assassin apprehended at once. An entire Kavindu tried punished severely. But a native would have hurled an assegai or a poison dart at you, Mr. Inglesby. Not a hand grenade. I'm perfectly aware, my dear Captain Lawrence, that a hand grenade is not a native weapon. If a native did throw the grenade at the car, it must have been supplied him by one of the agent provocateurs who had been stirring up trouble in Africa for some time now. We'll be a lot better off expending our efforts locating him than harassing the natives. Naturally. It goes without saying that I'll abide no foreign agents in the district. Have your men scour the entire province. I want all suspicious-looking foreigners brought to me for interrogation concerning the recent accident. A volunteer went after the man who threw the grenade, Mr. Inglesby. But it's impossible to come such a vast area with a complement of 18 men. Suppose you just dismiss the matter, then. I can assure you that I'll have the whole situation cleaned up quickly. I shan't permit gross inefficiency to impede my ambitious plans for the territory. A great many other people have come here with plans, Mr. Inglesby. Uranium is a powerful magnet that draws all breeds of men. You are being very patronizing and very insolent, Lawrence. I'm quite aware the Congo supplies most of the world's uranium. I only meant to point out, sir... I'd like to point out something to you, Lawrence. Knowing that you had a free hand in the Argo for many years, I arrived well prepared for your animosity and your envy. And having been told that the natives obey your every behest, the attempt upon my life within moments of my arrival came as no great surprise. But we've passed miles and miles of the steel fencing, Captain Lawrence. Has Inglesby decided to fence in all of Africa? I think not. But Inglesby National Park does encompass most of Liago Province. From the Mokino Mountains to just past Livingstone Canyon. It's incredible that he could have laid this out in such a way that the Riantu River lies outside the fencing, cutting off the animals from their cheap water supply. Mr. Inglesby plans to build an artificial lake. Oh, I hope he's posted a notice to that effect for the animals. What in the world is he up to, Lawrence? Oh, it's very simple. By building an elaborate hotel and having this enormous animal sanctuary as a showplace, he helps to make Leago a mecca for British tourists. And with large number of English here at all times, he's sure we need fear nothing from foreign powers. Our need is not for more Britishes, but for more brains than the one we recently acquired. And the jungle is seething with unrest. And no clue yet to the whereabouts of the scoundrel who made an attempt on Inglesby's life, eh? No, I've been searching for him ever since I left here that day, but he's more resourceful than any white man I've ever encountered in Africa. But you did catch sight of him that first day. A fleeting glimpse before he got swallowed up in the crowd. All I can tell you is that he has the most piercing eyes I've ever seen. Cat's eyes. A strange yellow that I could identify anywhere. Hmm. Uh, how's this spot, Tazim? Oh, fine. Ah. How big an opening do we have to make? At least big enough for the largest animals to get through. We're lucky there's no wind tonight, or they might have stampeded us before we cut a hole large enough to permit a dick-dick to escape. Uh, if Inglesby ever learns I had a hand in freeing his animals. Animals are not meant to be caged in. Even in a sanctuary where men are not permitted to shoot them there, they're used to natural enemies, but they can't endure confinement. And furthermore, barring the Cavindus from their source of meat is only aggravating their hatred of England lines. I know. If only someone like you could go to England and explain to the... I shall help you all I can, but I swore long ago that I would never leave Africa again. Yes, I know. But I thought that... What's that? That's an injured bird from inside the sanctuary. Lawrence, did you see those leather thongs tied to his legs? Yes, what were they? They're called Jesses. And they're placed upon certain breeds of hawks when they're trained as hunting falcons. The instrument of one of the most savage forms of hunting ever conceived by man. Your Mr. Ringlesby hasn't built an animal sanctuary. He's constructed a private game preserve for himself. Hmm. So it would appear. 
And heaven only knows what other fiendish schemes he has in mind. Although the wind remained still, the jungle animals who'd been confined within the sanctuary sensed that escape was now possible, and Tarzan and Captain Lawrence barely managed to find refuge behind a large rock formation when the stampede began. Someone's ripped the hold of the fencing, filthy saboteurs. Get back, Inglesby. The animals will mow you down like a blade of grass. Over there, men. I want whoever's responsible to... Is the madman firing no, at No, someone's us? hit him. The shot came from the other side of the stampede. Oh. Quick! Lawrence, in that high tree! Yellow eyes! Uh, I, I missed! If only we could capture him. It will be hours before we can get past the animals, and he'll be miles away by then. Give me, give me something to start the flow of blood, you fools. Yes, sir. Here you are, sir. Use this. Quickly, get behind these rocks, all of you. All right. We're safe now from the animals. Take Lawrence's gun away from him, men. Yes, sir. I'll have it, Lawrence. Thank you. A little more of the surface wound in my left arm at that. You aren't much of a shot. You, you think that I shot you? Your attacker was the same man who threw the hand grenade at you the first day. We saw his yellow eyes beaming from a tree on the other side of the stampede, but we couldn't get to him. Oh? Perhaps you can explain how it happens that two cartridges have been fired from Lawrence's rifle. Of course I can. Captain Lawrence fired at your assailant. Oh, the man with the yellow eyes, eh? Perhaps he also has a green nose and small pink wings. Did any of you gentlemen hear four shots being fired? No, sir, I only heard two. We were standing behind this rock, and although you were closer to us than you were to him... That's enough, Mr. Jungle Man. Lawrence, you're under close arrest. The charges, insubordination, sabotage, and attempted murder. Tarzan, come to entertain me this morning with a few more fairy tales about hobgoblins and leprechauns? I came because I learned that Captain Lawrence has been removed from the military prison. What have you done with him, Inglesby? At the moment, he's uh, probably somewhere over Algeria or Morocco on his way to England to be court-martialed. So you've succeeded in getting rid of him. And you plan to stay here as uncontested ruler of the roost. I'm not planning on doing any roosting until I've returned from England. Oh, yes, uh, I'm sailing tomorrow. My personal testimony may be required to assure a conviction. You're hardly a credit to British sportsmanship. Must your quarry always be caged before you go hunting? You're most eloquent for a savage, jungle man. But it will take more than your words to clear the name of your dear chum. Are you implying that I could serve as a witness at the trial? Who is better qualified to observe both of Lawrence's attempts upon my life? But I... I have sworn that I would never leave Africa. Well... Sorry you won't be on hand to help your colleague. You're quite confident that were I to go to England, you could hold me up to ridicule there, huh? And you think that by discrediting me, you could reflect upon my closest friend. Well, were I to renounce my oath, I might find honest men in England. Men who could be convinced that Lawrence is without guilt. And that you are working against Britain's best interests. It could happen that way. As our mutual friend would express it, I think not. It's black as pitch out here, Tarzan, old man. It's late for a turn about the decks, isn't it? I'd hope to avoid company by waiting until this hour. Oh, you needn't be self-conscious. No one in the world would know that a couple of native women with rings through their noses had done a hurry-up job on that suit. You look just like Savile Row. The deck of this ship belongs to the steamship company, Mr. Ringlesby, but the back you're slapping so enthusiastically belongs to me, and I'll be greatly obliged if you desist. Oh, don't be so sensitive. Slap on the back's just a sign of good fellowship. After all, we are shipmates now. I told you to... What in the... Get out of my way, Inglesby! All right, never mind now. He's gone. I'll see the ship's captain in the morning and I... So someone's still after me, The eh? shot was yards away from you. It would have hit me had I not been dodging your slaps of good fellowship. He was standing in that companionway that leads to the steerage. The man with the yellow eyes? Only a man with the eyes of a cat could have attempted such a shot in this inky darkness. Still stuck with that story, eh? Perhaps you may be stuck with it if I live long enough to voice my suspicions in England. It occurs to me that you conveniently managed to jump clear of your car before the explosion, that this incredible marksman only nicked your hand the other evening, and that now Captain Lawrence is out of your way, he's turned his gun on me. 
The marksmanship and the resourcefulness are his, Mr. Inglesby, but the orders could be coming from you. The next morning, with the cooperation of the ship's captain and several of his officers, Tarzan searched the vessel from stem to stern, but without success. Unless the man had slipped over the side to an accomplice in another ship or to his own destruction, he was diabolically clever in avoiding the searchers. The following days were tense ones for Tarzan, but no further attempt was made on his life. When the ship docked at the international port of Tangiers, Tarzan was happy to go ashore, and he took the main thoroughfare from the Babel Marsa, gate of the port, to the Babel Sook, gate of the marketplace. The native cupboards and cafes were most intriguing, but hardly a Tarzan mingled with the tightly packed throng when two piercing eyes stared out from a darkened doorway. A bullet whistled inches from Tarzan's head, but as he tried to squirm through the crowd, a door slammed, and several international police appeared from nowhere and blocked his path. I've got to get through. I've got to get through that building. Someone shot at me. Please, if I could just... Please, can't you understand that an attempt was made on my life? If a beggar hadn't jostled me at the precise moment... Do you understand French? Parlez-vous français. Comprendez-vous de l'espagnol? Are you not Arabic? Arif Bilarabi. Ah, international police. You speak the language of no nation. What do you intend to do with these handcuffs? I've done no wrong. I was merely looking into the shops. Take these handcuffs off me or I'll... What's going on over here? Is it a bit of a jam, Tarzan? I've tried to make these fools understand me, but they speak no language. Or at least they pretend to understand none. Here, take this for your trouble and let my friend go. You see, Tarzan... Money is still the universal language, and there's no more eloquent tongue on earth than the British pound. I shall return whatever you spent when we reach England. I believe I have some money left me by my family in a bank there. I still owe a travel agent in Dakar for my passage. Oh, forget about it, my boy. It's worth every farthing of it to see your face. When the bullet struck the brick wall inches from my head? I know nothing of any bullet. I meant it was most amusing to see your expression when you were surrounded by all those natives. Never have I seen greater bafflement. If you look carefully, you can see it now. I can't understand why you galloped your white charger up to my rescue just now. Very simple, Tarzan. Come along. I'll tell you on the way back to the ship. I shouldn't want to be late for the start of Lawrence's trial. Nor I. But you haven't answered my question yet. Well, it really should have been quite obvious to a man of your reputed instincts. A royal warrant gave me certain military as well as civil authority in the Argo. By virtue of it, I was able to ship Lawrence back to England, but I held no such power over you. Your voluntary trip to England in behalf of your great friend enables me to bring you face to face with the men who control Africa's future. I have a strong feeling that they will do everything within their power to keep such an evil influence as you from returning there. When the ship dropped anchor at the mouth of the River Tagus, Tarzan's insatiable curiosity forced him to join the excursion that traversed the few miles to Lisbon. But while he feasted his eyes on the strange beauties of the Portuguese capital, he avoided crowds and kept constantly alert. Waiting until nightfall before returning to the dock, he found it deserted, save for the mountainous stacks of waiting cargo. Some primitive instinct made him dart to one side suddenly, a moment before a heavy crate came crashing down. He heard a light movement on top of the pile cargo, and he looked up into a pair of wide yellow eyes. Scampering over crates and barrels and boxes, he lunged toward the transfixed orbs. There was a feeling that there'd been another pair of eyes but a moment before. The small feline had not dislodged the heavy crate. Missed the sailing, Tarzan. I thought perhaps you'd change your mind after our conversation in Tangiers. You decided to abide by your oath and return to Africa. I broke that one when I left those beloved shores, Mr. Inglesby. But tonight I made one to myself that I shall not break. How's that? If I fail to unravel this great mystery, if I fail to clear Captain Lawrence's name and thus fail Africa, I shall never return there. Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media.
From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. And now for the exciting conclusion of our story. The sounds of London echoed in Tarzan's weary head. The confusion of its streets baffled him. The acrid fog parched his throat. But even these horrors were paled beside the grim inquisition of Captain Lawrence's trial. Tarzan felt as though he'd already spent months in the airless courtroom. We'll have no further outbursts, Mr. Inglesby. I only wanted to point out that I'm not the one on trial. Quite so. But nevertheless, we've gleaned some interesting highlights about your activities in Africa. Not sufficient to recommend your removal from office, certainly, but quite enough to... Sir Reginald, to send that man back to Liago would be to invite foreign domination. Your opinions are not the concern of this court, Tarzan. Is there anything you want to add to your testimony? No, sir. Captain Lawrence? I think not. Then it shall be up to the members of the court-martial to weigh all the testimony that has been given to determine whether Captain Lawrence is guilty or... Sir Reginald... I should like to ask the court to instruct its members to disregard all testimony offered by Tarzan. Every word he's spoken has been proven utterly devoid of foundation. The members of the court are hereby instructed to disregard that portion of Tarzan's testimony which was unsupported, that concerning the activities of an unidentified man with yellow eyes. For certainly no concrete evidence has been presented to prove that he exists. But if the jury refuses to believe he exists, there can only be one possible verdict. The remainder of your testimony is admissible, Tarzan. Perhaps it will carry some weight. Court adjourned until tomorrow morning. Sorry, sir, but you'll have to be shoving off the zoological gardens close at this hour. I was just going. I'll walk you to the side gate. A bit closer that way. Ah, look at all them people on the benches there. Think they'd know enough to have themselves home at this hour. If he'd give me a sort of trouble, sir? I dislike the wearing of shoes. I can't say as I blame you. I'll have mine off soon as I get home. Can't see why anyone wants to put harnesses on his trotters. Or walk him off in this here park, for that matter. I thought perhaps being near a few familiar animals might make London more tolerable, but seeing them behind bars is hardly a cheering sight. Well, here we are, sir. Good luck to you, and you don't get in a flap about them animals. They have it a bit of all right here. Warm cages inside when it gets cool, and better eats than me and my old lady. Nice green trees to look out on. Uh, now, you take them folks over on the benches. If they don't trot over here to the park, they probably don't see a spot of green from one bank holiday to the next. And more than likely, they don't... The animals! They're loose! Well, there's a man over there by the panther's cage. First, I thought it was the panther when I seen his eyes, but... He's got the gun, sir! Stand I'm... back so I can throw this knife! Ow! The elephant, sir! Sir Reginald Lindsay and another high official asking to speak to the likes of me. The old lady will never believe it. Considering the panic that spread over the entire city, it's a wonder the Lord Mayor hasn't been here. Oh, he was here, sir, right after it all happened. Never mind, it was here after it happened. I understand you were in charge at closing time. Well, that's right, sir. Did you see anything of an extremely powerful-looking man, uh, dark hair, worn longer than customary, height a uh, little over six feet, eyes gray, complexion uh, very suntan? Uh, you mean Tarzan, sir? You see, Sir Reginald, he was here. Mm. This should establish that his entire testimony is worthless. He's a madman with a mania for freeing animals, even though it imperils millions if you of don't lives. Mind, sir. It was him what saved the day. He headed off some elephants just as they was about to attack some innocent bystanders. Then he jumped on top of a ruddy elephant and herded all the poor, confused animals back. And then what did happen? The park he tracked down one at a time, though it took most of the night. Here's a blooming arrow, the way I sees it. And I won't stand for now we'll talk about him. Where did he go when he left here, Hobson? Why, after the bloke would open the cages. A nasty-looking blighter with yellow eyes. <laughs> Yes, at last Tarzan was in pursuit of his elusive enemy, following a trail of blood for his knife had found its mark. The spoor led him across most of Bloomsbury, by the British Museum, and then down Fleet Street, and sped over miles of this jungle of concrete and steel. 
The city was beginning to awaken now. As the streets filled, the trail became harder and harder to follow. Just off Cannon Street, it disappeared entirely. But then miraculously appeared again, and as curious Londoners stared at him, Tarzan hurried along, following the faint scent until he was within sight of the Tower of London. Just beyond it, his eyes found his enemy, frantically climbing to the upper footway of Tower Bridge in a vain attempt to escape his pursuer. But as Tarzan scampered up one of the huge chain suspensions, the man leaped into the river far below. While a fascinated crowd watched from the embankment, Tarzan plummeted down after him into the icy waters. But only an hour later, the man who'd been dragged from the Thames faced a room full of grim officials. We have your entire history, Harkim Cluden. A record of sabotage and espionage so damning that you have little to lose by answering our questions. I shall answer them. I've spent my life perfecting my skill, and yet when I came to them dying from a knife wound, they turned me away like a piece of broken machinery that's of no further use. Our agents have already called at the little building off Cannon Street. What we want to know now is whether your employer ever enlisted Mr. Inglesby's assistance in your African endeavors. We did not need to enlist his help. He volunteered it. Did you hear that, Tarzan? He's lying! Oh, he was not conscious of it, but everything he did antagonized the natives. I was most careful to avoid killing him, to come only close enough so that he could build up a strong case against Captain Lawrence. With that done, I set out to kill Tarzan. With that failed, I freed the animals last night, counting on Inglesby to blame the jungle man. He tried. With Tarzan and Captain Lawrence out of the way, Inglesby would have had supreme command in Liago. That was our hope. For with the natives hating him more with each passing day, it would not have remained British Liago for long. Very well. That's all we need to know for now. Take him away, men. Captain Lawrence, you'd best prepare for your return home with full authority in Liago hereafter. The court's findings will be a mere formality. Inglesby, we'd better have a little chat. Tarzan, no words can tell you how much I appreciate all you've done for me. Including the breaking of your vow to permit such a great journey. The longest journey I took was a mental one. I had to cover a lot of territory before I learned that there's nothing to fear in the large cities, if all goes well. That cities are merely a different kind of jungle. Oh? Then I suppose there's no sense in your bothering to leave one jungle for another, eh? I assume you'll remain in London? I think not, Captain Lawrence. I think not. <laughs> They came into the jungle in quest of a fortune, and though they scoured the bush, they sought neither ivory nor precious stones, gold nor other metals. And although their art consisted of smuggling, they dealt neither in slaves, opiates, nor contraband arms. Theirs was a strange game, but they'd fail to anticipate an adversary like Tarzan in our story of Two in the Bush. Tarzan, a transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., Prepared for radio by Bud Lesser with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production. and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!